2: I've seen firsthand how business can be used to create disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we as business leaders, as entrepreneurs, as really anybody who works, doesn't view our work as a means of discipleship, I think we're missing an enormous opportunity to be creating disciples and building for the kingdom.
1: An interesting thought from Jordan Rayner as we start this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. We'll be hearing more from Jordan shortly. I'm Paul Perot. Thanks for listening to this Labor Day weekend show. And while this holiday was meant as a way to honor labor unions, many of us mainly see it as the final weekend of summer, a time to relax from work and school and just have fun. But work is a large portion of what we do in our lives, and regardless of whether you're a factory worker, a service worker, manager, or entrepreneur, the idea of your vocation is more than just a matter of making money to get the things you want or support the causes you believe in. Your work gives you a platform to express your creative abilities, and even more importantly, to make an impact on others' lives for the better. On this week's show, we want to present an Encore talk we first brought to you back in January. Before we start, I want to remind you that coming up October 25th at locations around the U.S., Q Ideas again will be presenting Q Commons. Q Commons is a time to join with people like yourself who want to advance good in your community. Q Commons events feature three national speakers, plus about three local speakers addressing the needs of your community, plus opening up to creatively address them in light of the gospel. If you or your organization would like to learn more about hosting a Q Commons event, visit qcommons.com. Now, let's join Gabe as he talks with Jordan Rayner in this encore edition of Q Ideas.
0: Today we're talking about creation, the whole idea of creating culture. And it's something that's been so central to the mission and message of Q ever since we started. And and that is that you change culture not by critiquing it or condemning it, something Andy Crouch has said for many, many years, and he expertly delivered that in one of the opening Q talks at our first Q event in 2007. What we talk about at Q is how we can be proactive and contributing to good culture, which means we have to create culture, which means creating new businesses, services, music, film, media, you name it. We need to be creating it. If we don't like the way something is, it's up to us to take responsibility, to be proactive, and to go create. And so back about six years ago, we had this great opportunity to partner with Dave Blanchard who was somebody who had come to a Q conference. He came to Q Chicago for the first time. He was working uh, in a great systems design company called IDEO. And in that experience at Q, he just felt compelled that something needed to exist, a better system for entrepreneurs to learn how they could actually create businesses that created culture and that could contribute to the good. And today now, it's just thriving. It's doing so great. Uh, They have a nonprofit and a for-profit division where they're training up founders and CEOs to lead their companies and to grow their companies, all with this gospel-centric way of thinking that helps the business actually be even more excellent, but answers these questions about what does a business look like when you believe in Jesus and when you're trying to follow after the principles of the kingdom. And so Praxis has been doing great. And so today I'm going to introduce you to a friend of Dave Blanchard's, a friend of ours, a serial entrepreneur named Jordan Rayner, because he cares a lot about this idea of creating and creating culture. In fact, he's written a book on it. His book's called Called to Create. And the idea of this book is to help people understand the creative force that God's put in every one of us to go and create, and that we do that best when we're doing it in the place where we're called. And so Jordan's somebody who, a lot like Dave, has created something called Vocreo, where his team helps entrepreneurs across a wide range of industries launch and grow their businesses Um, And he's now leading a tech startup called Threshold 360. So he really lives in the space of entrepreneurship. But today you're going to hear our conversation. And I'm going to ask him a lot of questions about what does it look like to create, not just as an entrepreneur, but what if you're a teacher? What if you're somebody who's called to something very different than business? And also, how do we see the future of creating going? And and why is it so important today? So let's listen in as we talk to Jordan Rayner about this idea of creating culture. Jordan, it is great to have you on the Q Podcast. Thanks for uh, being with us today. and I'm, I'm excited for our listeners to just get to hear from you, somebody who is an entrepreneur, who loves starting new things, who's had great experience in that, but you've also applied that to, to kingdom thinking. And so I'm so excited that they're going to get to hear that. From you, because so many of them are entrepreneurs. So many of them are creating new things and thinking about solving problems. And the way you're addressing it is so relevant uh, to to where they're at. But would you just start off, Jordan, by giving us a little bit of a snapshot of just the journey you've been on to get to this place, to where you're now writing about entrepreneurship and you're thinking about it in this way?
2: I, I've spent my entire career, for the most part, uh, starting and selling a variety of businesses. I actually started my career on a political track. I thought my, my first love was politics. And it took me, it took me a while to realize that it wasn't public policy or political campaigns in particular, uh, that I was interested in. I was interested in starting something out of relatively nothing and winning and, and, and that win having an impact on culture, on, on creating and shaping culture. And so, um, early on in my career, I started my first few businesses, mostly in the political and government markets. And I was exiting one of those businesses in uh, I believe it was two thousand thirteen a company called CitizenVestor, Investor, which is basically a kickstarter for local government projects uh, We did fairly well selling like white labeled crowdfunding software to municipalities. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and I was pretty confident I was going to start a consultancy for early stage businesses right some sort of hybrid you know, retainer slash equity like model. And around that time, I went to my church, and North American Mission Board was there doing a conference during our missions week and calling for basically entrepreneurial-minded people to go plant churches across the country. It was around that time that my wife and I started to think, maybe this is where God's calling us. You know, I'm the, the Lord has clearly revealed to me that I'm gifted as an entrepreneur. I have a passion for starting new things and creating sustainable organizations. Maybe I should apply that to church planting. And it was around that time that you know some godly men in my life pulled me aside, and they were like, hey, like... You clearly have a passion for entrepreneurship. You're clearly gifted at this thing. I think that means that you've got to go take those skills and those passions and apply them to something that's pretty significantly different, creating jobs and creating disciples through uh, your businesses. And I was like, I never really thought of this Tim Keller's Every Good Endeavor for the first time, and that book changed my life. Uh, and ever since then, I've been asking a lot of questions about you know what does it look like for, you know, me as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, every good, every good endeavor, a lot of other resources have done a good job of giving us, you know, a good solid foundation doctrine of vocation, right? Uh, but what does it look like specifically for me as an entrepreneur? What does it look like for me to reimagine my work, not as a means of glorifying myself, uh, but as a means of revealing the character uh, of Jesus Christ as a means of loving and serving others really well and as a means of making disciples.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think, I know you're familiar with Dave Blanchard and Praxis, but yeah. that was something that uh, many years ago birthed out of Q and out of uh, us partnering together to say, hey, entrepreneurship matters. The idea of creating matters. You know, Andy Crouch speaks to mm-hmm. this in, in his book on culture making and the idea that we, we change culture by creating it. And I, And that's what I love about the book that you've just written, called Called to Create, a biblical invitation to create, innovate, and risk. And I think, it again, I think for the people listening, they're kind of wired this way too. Like let's create things because creating new things gives people an opportunity to have a new kind of tangible expression of maybe what the gospel looks like when it shows up in business or in our cities or in our communities or in the service industry or whatever it might be. But I think one of the big things you've helped overcome, and I've seen this over the last couple of decades, slowly this trend has changed to where young people in college today, you know, they don't necessarily think that the only way to be a good Christian is to go be a full-time minister, you know, to be a pastor or to be a ministry. They're starting to see... That this can happen through any channel, any industry. Are you seeing that as well? And, and I know for older people though, sometimes you have to help them on overcome that hurdle. What's that been like, uh, for you? And, and do you see freedom in people's eyes, you know, when they realize, wait, God can use me in business?
2: Oh my goodness, yes. That's why I wrote this book, right? Is 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 to uh hopefully be a conduit for the Lord uh you know unveiling people's eyes to that truth uh in this in this next wave of you know Christian entrepreneurs and creatives uh embracing those gifts for the glory of God. So I was I was actually at Campus Crusade a couple weeks ago, I was speaking to some employees there right after the release of the book. Yeah we were, we we're actually talking about the term full-time ministry. And I was like I I hate this term so much. Uh, because when we talk about full-time ministry, there's an assumption there that anybody that is not spending 50 hours a week uh working on behalf of a church or a, you know, um uh, or or ministry isn't a full-time uh representative of Jesus Christ. And that's not biblical right like we are we are called to live our entire lives to pour out our entire lives uh as an offering uh unto the lord right so and i and i think when you communicate that message to young people i don't think it's novel but i think it's putting it in a language that they can get and latch onto and say yes like this is resonating with what i have believed to be true what i've seen in scripture what the holy spirit has been doing in my life and around me uh for for so long and now we're just putting a language to it to say yes i can uh, create disciples. I can create cultural change uh, through entrepreneurship, through creativity, through the creative arts, through uh, being a doctor, through being a lawyer. So I think we've I think we've gotten to the place now, uh, and, and we still have a lot more work to do. But you know, lots of lots and lots of other people, you know, uh, before me, and, and much more eloquently than me uh have have been saying this for a long time have been establishing this really good doctrine of vocation i think you know the one the, the one iteration of that message uh that, that i really hammer home in the book and i think is really resonating especially with college students with millennials you know is is this idea that Everybody wants their work to feel like a calling, right? So, you know, I know you've done a lot of work with Barna, right? Barna did a good study on this back in, I think it was 2013, the, the study that I quote in the book. Everybody wants their work to feel like a calling, but nobody feels like it is a calling. So, like, what's the disconnect, right? And and I propose in my book and called to create that the disconnect is when we talk about calling we're really just talking about what we really want to do with our lives right what's going to make us the most money what's going to make us the happiest uh what's going to give us the most satisfaction right but but calling assumes that there is a caller right our call, you know our work can only be a calling if somebody calls us to it and we do it for their sake rather than our own. Right. And that that's really if you have a summarized call to create in one sense, I think that's it. It, it is it is encouraging, challenging uh, this generation of Christians to view our work sacrificially, to view our work. Uh, not primarily as a means of serving ourselves, but of you know, serving others and serving the world uh, and, and using you know, entrepreneurship and the creative arts specifically as a vehicle for cultural redemption.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think for so many of the people that we talked to this, this past fall, we had something called Q Union that took place on college campuses all over the country. Yeah. And we're finding more and more the 18 to 22-year-old is asking a lot of these bigger questions about calling. They're really trying to identify – what is their calling? And, and as you just pointed out, you know, is, is this a me centered sort of self centered ambition? How do I know when it's God calling me versus my own desires? And, and where does all of right. that intermingle? Because we know God wants us to have the desires of our heart, but, but that's obviously if it's aligned with the desires of his heart. So you talk a little bit about this in the book and I love it, but, but would you describe some of the questions that you would say to a 20 year old today? You know, here's the questions I would be asking myself to try to really discern how am I going to determine if the path I'm pursuing is God calling me or not.
2: Yeah, happy to. So, you know, let me start by saying that there is no career path more glamorous than that of the entrepreneur today, right? Like right. it has never been cooler uh, to be an entrepreneur with the rise of Shark Tank and you know there's a reason why the social network the movie about Facebook was heralded as, you know, the film that de- This millennial generation. It's never been cooler to be an entrepreneur, but as I propose in the book, cool doesn't equal calling, right? Uh, And so, you know, and really the questions that I propose in the book for discerning God's call in our life uh, really aren't my questions. They really came out of me interviewing about 40. 40 plus Christian entrepreneurs and creatives whose stories I share in the book, uh, and really trying to understand how they thought about calling uh, and what they saw in Scripture, and you know, digging into how theologians have thought about this over time. And you know, the three questions. The first question is a question we're really. Good at asking, uh, and we think a lot about right. Which is, what am I passionate about? What do I love? Because, like you said, Gabe, uh, you know, the Lord does want to give us the desires of our hearts, along with that's uh, is, is that's aligned with his missions. Uh, and um, I do think passion is a really critical component to this, right? I don't think we're made to do work that we hate, right? Uh, and I think I think people understand that intuitively. You know, so the first question is, what am I passionate about? But I think the second question, and the one we've really got to get good at asking ourselves on an individual basis is what am I gifted at right so you know Keller uh, Keller, in every good endeavor, uh, talks about the ministry of competence right i 've been thinking a lot about this term the ministry of excellence right if we are to be heard uh, by a lost world, we need to earn the right to be heard, and we need to do that by creating things with excellence by doing our work with excellence so that we can heard, be heard by you know those around us and because If work is a way that we love our neighbor, we should do it with excellence because if we do it with excellence, we're loving our neighbors really well. Uh, So I think we've really got to look at what am I actually gifted at and be in a continual process of, you know, discerning uh, where the Lord has has gifted us in, in areas far disproportionately greater than other areas. So Andy Crouch in Culture Making talks a lot about this. He says, you know, vocation is essentially looking around the areas of your life and figuring out where. Uh, our efforts are being multiplied exponentially greater than what could be expected for from our own feeble inputs like that's where God is calling us right so it's those areas of our lives that are reaping the most fruit uh combined with what we're passionate about and thankfully for us those two things usually go in tandem and then i think the third question to ask is you know where is the lord moving around me what what is the lord doing in my life what is the lord doing in you know my immediate and my global cultural context uh, and, and what opportunities do I see uh, to marry my passions and my gains in service of what the Lord is doing around me? Yeah,
0: because for the typical person listening today, even if they're called not as a business leader into entrepreneurship, but they're called into the media space or say they're called into entertainment or or say they're right. called to be a teacher. I mean, the the things that you're talking about here is how they are to approach any particular Position and that's what I love about it is it's not, it's not just about those who are entrepreneurs. You're using your entrepreneurial perspective to help others understand how they can apply that wherever they are. And you take that one step further because you kind of conclude the book talking about the idea of making disciples that the ultimate thing we create as Christians, as people who are following Jesus, His disciples. I love that you do that because you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to make this book push into that space. And maybe some people would have said, hey, you don't have to go there. Just keep this all about business or creating and your stories. I got that advice a lot. (laughs) But you you, you saw it as important in this conversation. I love that you did. Will you just describe why you felt that was important for your readers to understand?
2: Yeah, I I think – I thought it was important to put in the book because it's important to me personally uh, and it's a big part of the reason why I create uh, and why I lead businesses. So in addition to leading this um, called the create ministry that we that we built under this book and this brand. You know, I also run a very well-funded tech startup called Threshold 360. We're essentially trying to do what Google Street View has done for the outside of the world, for the inside of every public location on Earth. We've done it for about 100,000 locations, and it's incredibly challenging, but I've got a pretty significant team underneath me. Right. And I have seen the Lord use this venture and use previous ventures to make disciples that they're currently obviously I won't get into specifics. But there are currently a few members on my team right now that I'm actively discipling. Now, they are not uh, believers in Jesus Christ, but I believe if you look at the model of Jesus, I think discipleship, you know, in the, in the church, typically we think of discipleship as, you know, host the moment that you walk down the aisle and fill out a card and, you know, drop it in the you know, basket at the end of the pew. Uh, but Jesus made pretty clear that discipleship starts way before that. It's in building relationships with people, loving people really well, uh, and then earning the right uh, to you know, have pretty explicit conversations about the gospel of Jesus Christ and I I'm I'm having those conversations you know ongoing on a regular basis with some of my employees you know we spend so much time at work and entrepreneurs have the great privilege and great responsibility of creating a lot of the jobs and a lot of the you know physical uh, and uh, and temporal space in which we do our work uh, that gives us a, a, a tremendous amount of influence over, over people's lives to create cultures that reflect the values outlined by Jesus in Scripture and, and, and to have really explicit conversation with employees. So I put in the book because – it's really important to me, right? I've seen firsthand how business can be used uh, to create disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we as business leaders, as entrepreneurs, as really anybody who works doesn't view our work as a means of discipleship, I think we're missing an enormous opportunity to be you know, uh, creating disciples and building for the kingdom.
0: Yeah, and finally, as you look at this whole field that you've really in your career pursued in the entrepreneurship space – You know, and some in technology and all these kind of innovation moments. Are you seeing some positivity as you look to the future of business, as you look to a new generation that's starting to create maybe more than ever and build and and try to create innovative solutions to solve problems that aren't only in the business sense, good business, but are also solving social concerns and problems? You know, are you hopeful about yeah. what you're seeing there, specifically for those listening who are in that business channel and this is their space? And what encouragement would you give to them about the opportunity that sits in front of us?
2: Sure. I'm incredibly hopeful uh, because I see Christians embracing this message and saying, yes. I am called to create, and I will create great businesses that employ people and love people really well, and love customers really well, and and lead to you know social impact and social good. I tell the story of a company in the book uh, called Grace Harbor Group uh, in Tampa, Florida, where where I live. It's an amazing story. It's 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 a former Goldman Sachs banker who's phenomenally successful was making an unbelievable amount of money at Goldman. And basically got sick and tired of the life he was living there, left. Uh, he was, he was managing uh, Goldman's assets in London, moved back to Tampa, Florida, where he was from, and started buying up businesses that traditionally exploit the poor. And it was for my first businesses to buy, and I decided on a chain of laundromats, and I was like, what in the world are you talking about and ignorant me uh, it wasn't immediately clear to me how laundromats exploit the poor but as i dug as i dug into the conversation i was like oh my goodness this is a perfect example right so laundromats are, are, are typically in, in very poor areas of town where there's not a lot of choice for customers, right? Customers are pretty landlocked within those neighborhoods, don't have access to great transportation to go outside of town. And because of that, laundromat owners, you know, traditionally don't invest much in those spaces. They're dirty. They're not well lit. A lot of them are are pretty dangerous uh and so you know this guy of bob collins said i'm just going to buy these laundromats and make them exceptionally great really clean great lighting great customer service uh and he spends a lot of time training his employees on how to love their customers really well uh very intentionally to create disciples of Jesus Christ it's amazing amazing mm-hmm. story and they use it to contrast against you know in, in, in the book we use it to contrast against another laundromat chain that these guys know of that they didn't mention by name thankfully but uh, also run by a Christian guy and when you walk in this place there's a giant tacky mural of Jesus and all the children running to Jesus and there's a lamb there and they're they're basically like that's not Cultural transformation—that's putting up a mural, right? And, and not to say that that's bad, right? But we've got to be thinking much more holistically about how the gospel uh, impacts our endeavors and what we're doing, and how we treat our employees, and how we treat our customers, and um, you know, the the, the deeper questions uh, that's around that. So I'm very optimistic uh, that we can see. A generation of Christians rising up, using entrepreneurship and business as a means of cultural transformation. You know, it's interesting. uh, We're starting to see more, you know, the CEOs of these big technology companies and these big tech startups. Be interviewed on all sorts of cultural issues, right? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is being, you know, interviewed constantly on immigration and, you know, talking about political issues. What an incredible platform for us as Christians to enter in to be to work with excellence, to build great companies, to build uh, these amazing enterprises, to give us influence in the world, and to talk about. The issues uh, that are, you know, that, that, that we, we, we can see are, are most, on, most on God's heart and, and what God's doing in the world around us. So I am excited that this new generation of Christians is rising up uh, to embrace these entrepreneurial gifts and to embrace the call to create.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for your work on this and for leading so well and for putting yourself out there to write and to try to help others begin to think about this and to see this idea really be solidified. As a way that Christians are going to think about their calling and their work. And so, Jordan, thanks again. And uh, we'll be uh, continuing to talk about this and, and ensure the people that are part of our audience see this as a valuable resource for years to come.
2: Thanks so much, Gabe.
0: I love talking about this idea of creating. And I hope you could hear it in the enthusiasm from Jordan as he thinks through how creating. Culture actually can make a difference. All the way to the college students, if you're listening and you're in college, the kinds of questions you should be asking about your calling. How do you know if it's your own selfish desires or is this God calling you? I hope you just got some great insights from this conversation. And I'd encourage you all to go check it out. Called to Create, it just released. Uh, and enjoy that. And if you're somebody who's interested as an entrepreneur and you're saying, man, I was kind of interested in what you talked about at the beginning of this podcast, this idea of Praxis, go to PraxisLabs.org. And when you go to PraxisLabs.org, I think you'll see that there's a lot of opportunity for you to continue to grow. There's also resources. So maybe you're in college or maybe you're somebody who's not able to start a business right now, but you've always dreamed of starting and creating something. They have great resources there that you can leverage, you can look at, and you can actually consider. Maybe is this part of what God's calling you to? Uh, you can also go into their website, and you can apply to be a part of their programs. And so they have all kinds of different events happening, but that's for the entrepreneurial type. For those of you who are interested in this idea of creating and what does it look like for the Christian to lead in this, just continue to check out talks at qideas.org. We have so many, and so many of the stories there are of people Who have created, they've risked, they've gone out, they had a vision and an imagination to create something that did not exist in the world. And isn't this what we're supposed to do as Christians? We're supposed to see things the way they ought to be, not as they are. And when we see them as they ought to be, we should go partner with God to help bring that into reality. And I think when we do that, people start to bump into the gospel. They start to experience the kingdom of God even when they weren't looking for it, even when they didn't realize that's what they were sensing and feeling and experiencing when they started to interact with that thing that was created. And so I hope this inspires you today to continue on in God's great vision for your life and pray, pray over the season, even as we go into a new year that God would give you clarity on how he's calling you to create in the year ahead. Well, until next time, I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll look forward to talking again on our next Q podcast.